Good evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service. And this evening I was torn between two lessons yet again. So this evening I want us to turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We made, a, we made mentions this morning in Bible class that kind of spurred this lesson on. In the, uh, in the readings of in our supporting verses and our thoughts that we were trying to cover. This morning was, was, was a wonderful opportunity that we had here at Booth Chapel to, to do what we did. And I, I, it's in my heart that those, those two couple appreciated that. I, I don't think they got out here without hugging every single person in here or at least shaking, shaking everyone's hand. And what a wonderful good work that was. What a wonderful idea of love. As we've had many biblical examples of Christ and his love for us. So as we talk about love, we talk about being in Christ. We talk about having that relationship with God that we ought to have. So as we've opened to 1 John chapter 3, we're going to start reading in the fourth verse. Now we do know that, that sin and righteousness are two separate things. God and Satan are two separate entities, two separate beings, or, or one's an angel and the other is a deity. We look at Satan and his works. They're destructive by nature. They corrupt, it, it corrupts people. It condemns people. And the scriptures also teach us that the wages of sin is, is death, therefore it destroys and kills people spiritually speaking we need to remember that whenever we look at the works of the devil but how about the opposite end of that spectrum when it comes to the works of righteousness what does the works what does the works of righteousness do for you it grants you an opportunity of salvation if those righteous acts are done that are pleasing to God the reason why I say righteous acts pleasing to God, someone can do a whole lot of wonderful works out there and not be in Christ, and those works are not pleasing to God. We can be the best person here upon this earth. Without wearing Christ, you would be condemned. That's hard for me to say, but I have to say it because the scriptures reveal it unto us. So as we dive in this evening, keep those thoughts into your mind. The opposite ends and, the, and the, the results of each one. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness in verse 4. Well, let's look at sin. Committing sin. Do we know what the word commit means, right? It means to participate or to do or to have partakings of sin. Well, let's break it down a little further. Do you know what the, what the term sin means? It means to miss the mark. And in your Bibles, when it refers to sin, it is to miss God's mark that that is set before us to do. His instructions for us to follow. That is, our Bibles, our instructions, when we don't follow them, when we go out of the boundaries that God has set before us, we sin. Sin is lawlessness. How many of us are thankful that we have laws in place in this country? Some would say, well, I don't know. Think about it. Think about Wild West days. 
Well, people just run rampant however they wanted to, right? Well, the, well, the law was, was, was there, but who was there was enforcing them? Few. Very few. Today, if you decide to speed, if you decide to drive recklessly, you're not going to do that very long until you get caught and you get a ticket or, or worse, right? We have laws in place to protect people. We have laws in place, man's laws, to direct people in a fashion that's uh, socially acceptable. I'll say that. So we can see man's laws and its operation and, and folks adhere to those laws. I'm going to bring that to light. If the speed limit is 45 miles an hour and you are driving 45 miles an hour, know very well that you're doing the speed limit and you see that police officer top the hill. What's your knee-jerk reaction? He's off that brake, that gas pedal, right? Well, but you're doing, you're, you're already doing the speed limit. You know that you are. If you're adherent to man's laws, there's no need to worry. God tells us this, for those laws are in place to keep folks in check. If you're adherent to those laws, you don't have to lift off that pedal, do you? It's a knee-jerk reaction. Here's another knee-jerk reaction when it pertains to your spirituality. It, it, it happens all the time, even in my presence, and I'm pretty sure in yours as well. People tend to change when they are around us. You ever notice that? Children of God, when, when they recognize that you are a child of God, they tend to act a little differently. They, they carry themselves a little differently. They tend to. Why is that? Because guess who you are representing as a child of God? You're representing Christ. You're representing God. And a little part of them tells me, I need to refrain myself from doing this act. But I'll give you the example. People's mouth. The, the language that comes out on these days. It's so frequent and so often to hear filthy language coming out of people's mouth. And I'm not saying everybody. I'm, I'm not, not excluding those who just don't care. I'm talking about those who have a, a moral compass to say, yeah, I don't need to do that around that person. Folks, I appreciate that. And I tell those folks who do that, I appreciate that. But then I've caught them out of my presence doing that thing that they're not supposed to do. They're not supposed to do it for me. They're not supposed to do it for us. Who are they supposed to do it for? God. Because God is there continuously. He who commits sin is lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. Folks are removing themselves from God. Whenever they let sin enter into their hearts, Isaiah 59, 2 teaches us very well that that sin removes us from the presence of God. For his eyes and his ears is no longer attached to us, and it doesn't see us, it doesn't hear us. But Isaiah 59, 1 also teaches that the Lord's hand is not shortened, nor is it weakened, that it cannot heal, nor that it cannot save. We think about that. God wants to save you, but we remove ourselves from that opportunity when we commit lawlessness when we commit sin moving on in verse 5 and you know that he was manifested Christ to take away our sins and in him there is no sin we look at the life of Christ we look at the type of lifestyle that he lived he was faithful without a fault he died a sinner's death. Yes, he did. He died a sinner's death because he took your sins on, not his own. 
for he had none. And I know the I know the uh, the argument of, of baptism. I know that argument. Was Christ immersed? Was Christ not baptized of John the Baptist? Remember that interaction whenever Christ came over the hill and John the Baptist says, "Look, there's the Savior of the world. Here he comes." And he comes down to the edge of the water and he meets him in the water. And John the Baptist was going to rebuke him. He says, no, 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 I need to be baptized of you first. Christ says, no, 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 suffer it. Allow it to be so. And what did John the Baptist, he immersed Jesus Christ. But it wasn't for the remission of sin, was it? It was to fulfill righteousness. It was to fulfill an example for you and I. He didn't splash water on him, did he? He got him completely wet by immersing him. So Christ was made manifest. He came to this earth to take away those sins. Or we're going to read a little bit later, to destroy the works of the devil. We'll talk about the devil in the next few minutes. But we looked at Christ to take away our sins, the reason why he came to this earth. Imagine a place that you're comfortable. You love it there. Where there's no pain, no suffering in heaven, right? You, you think about heaven and, and being in the presence of God, and, and there you are. And your father tells you, I'm going to send you to the earth. Okay. Was that Christ? No, it wasn't. He done, you ever heard the term bells and whistles? He done it with bells and whistles. He was proud to serve his father. Even though it meant coming to this earth was going to result in his painful death being crucified upon that cross for the sins of all. Though that they may be remitted. He was manifested to take away our sins and in him, Christ, there is no sin. Revelation speaks of our spot-free lamb for our sacrifice. That was only Christ. Scriptures also refer to us having a mediator that can relate to us. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a person? I'm going to say a person because Christ was a person. He was wearing flesh just like you and I do right now. Isn't it wonderful to have a person that can relate to our pain and our sufferings and our, and our uh, entices and our, our, the, the trickery of the devil? Isn't it nice to have someone who can relate? I hope so. It's nice to have that person. Because as the angels sit above the clouds, they look in, they peer down to, into the mysteries of salvation because they, they don't have any partaking of it. That's only reserved for you and I. In Christ there was no sin, but yet he died a sinner's death. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Now we need to be clarified. We need to be very clear on verse 6, the very first part of it. He who abides in him does not sin. We need to be very careful at the words that are written here. The, read, the words that we read. Do you know what the term abide means? Oh. Abide means to stay in. To stay in. That's what the word abide means. It don't mean to live. It don't mean to dwell. It means to stay in. 
He who abides in him. If you abide in Christ, do you know what you're doing? John 15, 9, and following. Following his commands, abiding in his love, staying in his love, keeping his commandments, that is all of his commandments. He who abides in him does not sin. Oh, wait a minute. Does that mean that I'm not going to sin if I'm a Christian? That is not what that says. I mean, it might read that way, but that is not what it means. It means that we're not going to have the mindset to go out there and actively sin. We're not going to have the mindset to be dead in our sins and trespasses. We're going to have the mindset to being justified by those, those sins and those iniquities that we participate in every single day. He was manifested to take away, manifested to take away our sins, was he not? So when we abide in Christ, when we keep his commands, when we keep his commands, that is, when we sin. Uh, let me turn real quick, one page back. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, oh, that right there, right? If, if anyone sins, we have an advocate. You know what an advocate is? Again, that person who can relate. Our go-to. Our out. The person that we go to. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is our advocate. He, is our, he, he was our propitiation upon that cross, but now he is like our go-between. You ever heard of a lawyer in a courtroom setting? He's kind of like our lawyer. You don't want the, the defendant talking. You don't want the plaintiff talking. The lawyer does the talking. The lawyer said, no, be quiet. I've got this. That's Christ. That's, a, of course, an earthly example. Christ is our advocate when we sin. So wait a minute. So what does that say that oh, oh, he's already given it to us? No, no, no. you got to keep in mind the rest of the scriptures, the rest of our instructions, even as God's people. When we repent of our sins, because we can sin after immersion, after becoming a child of God, having those previous sins washed away, right? So now we need an, an out now. We need another escape. Because we have faulted, we have failed, we have sinned. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He allows an escape when we repent of that sin that separates us in the first place and we come back to him. Whoever abides in him, that is to stay in him, does not sin. Not the mindset of sin, but when we do sin, again, that advocate, he allows us to come back when we repent of our sins. Again, the prodigal son, right? He, he made up his mind to come back. He did come back, and he was restored. Same goes with the child of God. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Oh, the verses just click over in the head when I read this verse. How about Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23? Right? Whenever Christ says to those thinker, thinkers that they are spiritual, I don't know, you depart from me, you worker of iniquity. The name ain't in the book of life in Revelation. Being found dead in your sins. Ephesians chapter 2. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. This is an active sin. Do what more? A lifestyle. 
Oh, yes, the lifestyle. With, with the mind, but previous to this, whoever see, uh, whoever abides him does not sin. That's the mindset of not sinning. Well, this here at the second half of this verse is the opposite of that. Not caring. I, I hear what the Bible teaches, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do or live however I want to. Not according to God, but according to me. That sounds selfish, does it not? To me, folks, that sounds selfish. Is God a selfish being? That should be a no, that should have been an ominous group. Of course not. Because what did God give up for us? You ever seen a, a child that was selfish? You ever seen a child with a, with a brand new toy? A brand new toy. Does that, does that child want to share that toy at all? It's brand new, right? All right. Even as adults, right? Have, have you ever had a, a brand new car or a new car to you? Did you let somebody else drive it? Not right off. Why not? Because it's new. You want to enjoy the newness of it. Because they may go out there and wreck it. Right? It's possible. It's happened to us before. Of course, that car wasn't new. We think about this. God is not selfish. He gives us grace freely. Those who are obedient unto Him gets a portion of His grace it's a portion of himself through the Holy Spirit as you are obedient to him. Acts 5 verse 32. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. When we're active, when I, when I say we, I mean people. When, I, when people are actively sinning, they don't know who Christ is. If they knew who Christ was, they wouldn't be actively sinning. They wouldn't have the mindset to say, yeah, I knew, I knew he gave his life. I know he suffered, but you know what? I don't care. That does not sound like a child of God, does it? It does not. We need to care for the utmost. Because when we refuse to care, what are we telling God? I don't need you. That's exactly what we're telling God. I don't need you. We learn from Christ in John 15, verse 5, that we can do nothing of ourselves in that parable of the true vine. We got to be attached to Christ. Otherwise, we're gathered together to be burned. Little children, in verse 7, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. You know, do y'all know how to practice something? Well, my mind goes back to playing the trumpet. That, that's what my mind goes to. I wasn't very good in ball, so I didn't practice. I didn't like it. I know we got several members who are who, are, who have ball players or several uh, who have children or grandchildren who, who have specific tasks. Have they practiced at all? Well, what happens when you practice? You ever heard that term, practice makes perfect? I know y'all have heard that before, right? That's right, Brother Mark. We, you get better and better at it as you practice. Notice what the term practice is, righteousness. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness. Do you know how to practice righteousness? What does that tell us? All right, let's go to a real world example. A doctor. What do they do? They practice medicine. In all of their schooling, in all of their knowledge of the human anatomy, they still, even after... 20, 30, 40 years of being 
a physician or a doctor, or even a specialist, guess what they're still doing? They're practicing medicine. Does that mean they're going to get it wrong a time or two? Yes, they will. We don't like to hear that, so you got it wrong? You mean you messed up my knee and you got it wrong? Yes, sometimes I get it wrong. Even whenever we practice righteousness, are we going to get it wrong from time to time? You had better believe that we're going to get it wrong from time to time because none of us are perfect, unlike the he at the very end of this verse. For he who practices righteousness is righteous. You know what the term righteousness means? Let's think of it this way. We've said it time and time again here at Booth Chapel. Doing right in the eyes of God. That's what righteousness means. So if you're doing right in the eyes of God, who else did right in the eyes of God? Jesus Christ. Have we, been not, have we not been told by Paul himself to be imitators of Christ, imitators of God, imitators of God, heirs, dear children, Ephesians? Here we have. <coughs> also in 1 John 1, 7, John tells us to imitate God. Does he not? If we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another, who's that fellowship? Folks, that's fellowship with God. Who's the he there? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, a lot of of folks make the misconception that he is Christ. It's not because if you continue on in that exact same verse, did Christ ever have a son? He didn't, did he? Who did have a son? God. That he there is God. So if we're walking in the light as God himself is in the light, are we going to be actively sinning? God hates sin. It removes you from his stature. It separates you from him, just as Christ was fearful of that same thing right before the cross, right? He was fearful of being separated from his Father for the first time. Yeah, the pain and anguish of that nail and, and the suffering of the crucifixion, yes, that's going to part of it. But he told his disciples, be fearful not of those who can kill the body. Be fearful of him who can kill the, the body and soul. Remember that? Christ was fearful of being separated from his Father. Why? Why was Christ separated from his Father? Because of your sins, my sins, and the sins of all those who are spitting in his face right now. Wait a minute. What do you mean by spitting in his face? How, why would someone actively spit or stomp or count the blood of Christ a common thing or even insult for the Spirit of God? How about a, a Hebrews chapter 10, starting around verse 26 and following all the way to 31? How many of us want to be fearful in the, in the sight of God? I mean, hopefully not you. Because that fearful is a fearful of condemnation and eternity of it. He who practices righteousness is righteous. So whenever we think of, think of ourselves as a Christian, can we be better? Can we be better Christians? How many of us are perfect? I didn't see the first hand go up. They're not. None of us are perfect. Only one whoever dwells here upon this earth is perfect. And that's Christ. Do we aspire to be perfect? There you go. That's right. We aspire. It's our goal to be made perfect on that great day. 
Because that's the only time that you and I will ever be perfect. My mind goes to when Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. Previous to him running away or fleeing away sorrowful, he called Jesus good teacher. This is the Son of God who has never faltered. He was faithful to the Father even at that point. And Jesus rebuked him. Why did he rebuke him? Because he has very something similar to what we're wearing right now, flesh. That's right, Brother Mark. He was wearing this right here. He had the opportunity to sin, did he not? He still had it. At that point, he was practicing righteousness. Do you realize that? So as you and I practice righteousness, we are righteous just as he is righteous. Now that's a simile. Similar. Just as or in the similitude or we look like, right? None of us are Christ. Not one of us. We aspire to be. It's our goal to be. We're practicing at it. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. And verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. Oh, the old adversary. He who actively sins, not known Christ, not understood who he is, not paying attention to his love, his instructions, none of those things. If you are actively sinning, I mean actively sinning, you are of the devil. You are of the devil. You are of Satan. You are God's adversary. Again, you just read that a few minutes ago in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26. 26 is actually where it's at. If we have sinned after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. In the next verse, but a certain fearful expectation of fiery judgment that will devour the adversaries. You are God's adversary if you are actively sinning. Even as a child of God, we can actively sin. Oops. We, re we remove ourselves from that, from that, the good graces of God. We remove ourselves from it. Now we are of the devil. Don't let the devil be your father. Allow God to be your father by faithful observance to his instructions. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. All the way to the garden. The beginning of sin, the introduction to it, the author of it is the devil. When he changed one little word, he added a three-letter... You wouldn't think a three-letter word is very powerful, would you? You wouldn't think... Not is not that powerful. Look how powerful that three-letter word is. Look at what we're dealing with right now here upon this earth. It was once perfect. For when God created it, what did he say? It was good. And that, again, that says a lot whenever God says something is good. Christ rebuked it because sin was here. God said, it's good. Even when Adam and Eve was here in the beginning, before they partook of that uh, fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, before they partook of that, it was still good. Even while human beings were here upon this earth, it was good, past tense. Then the devil looked at Adam and Eve both together. Well, they were speaking to Eve, but Adam was there, and he, he says, Surely you shall not die. What did they do? They died. What did we do? Hebrews 9.27. We died. They died spiritually, and they eventually died 
physically. For this purpose, for the introduction of sin, whenever uh, sin was introduced, keep in mind the plan of salvation was already in effect. It was already planned out before anything was even created. Before God said, let there be light. Before any of that, God's plan of salvation was put, in, was put into place. It was already created. For this purpose, the institution of sin, the disobedience, the disconnection of, of God's creation and God, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And there's that word, M-I-G-H-T. I know there's a lot of teachings out there that says, Christ just took on my sins. I'm going to live how I want to. He took my sins on. I'm going to be saved. God's just going to save me. Well, if you're not adhering to his word, if you're not abiding in his love, following his commands, abiding in sin, doing the things that you're displeasing in his sight, you are of the devil. It just said right there. Well, you have to read four. It's right there. But Christ, Christ took my sins on. Oh, look at that very carefully. M-I-G-H-T, what does that mean? Mike. You have your car serviced. I know I can do a lot of mechanical examples. You, do, you, you have your car serviced, right? It might go 10 miles. It might go 2,000 miles without anything happening to it. But will something eventually happen to it? How many of you ever drove $300,000 300, miles in your car without doing anything to it and nothing happening? I mean, no tires, no oil change, nothing. Of course not. It's going to fail. Think of your spirituality with that way. Are you taking care of it? Because God's trying. He gave you your service manual right here. He gave you the way that you should talk. He gave you the way that you should live. He gave you the way that you should treat one another right here before us. And we've had a wonderful example of how we should be, how we should treat one another, how much compassion should we have, how much instruction we should be giving as God's people that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then verse 9. Whoever has born, been born of God does not sin. Again, that active sin, the mindset of sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. That's the absence of the permission to sin. That is to say, we don't have the permission to sin. That is, that's like saying, uh, it's like telling your children, you can go out there and behave badly as you want to. What are they going to do? They're going to go behave, behave badly as they want to. You tell your children, says, behave. What have you just told them? You didn't give them the permission to go misbehave. Even though they might do it anyway. But you didn't give them the permission. Whenever we break God's permission, when we go outside of His permission, we take it on ourselves and I've got this God. I mean, people. I've got this God. I don't need your instructions. I'm good. That's very bad. That's very bad. Because whenever we've been born of God, we know better as God's children. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. We don't have that permission. He has been, because he has been born 
of God. What did God pay for us to have salvation? Taking on something he hates. Being separated of a third of himself. Experiencing pain and suffering. And experiencing one thing that he'll never experience again. Death. Death. Everybody talks about God as the living God. He died once. The, the, the one third of the son did. He died once for your sins. That they may be remitted. Not that they're already forgiven, that they may be remitted. Now I know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, what a wonderful verse. And y'all are where I'm going next, right? 3.17. Very next verse. A lot of people say, no, I don't need that. Yes, you do. We need the entire Bible. The very next verse. You ain't got to read far. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, and there's this word again, might. There's choice. Might be saved. There's choice for you and I to be obedient to God's commands, not the devil. So we see the, the polar opposites, right? We see the outcome. Now I got a whole lot more scripture to, to go through, but I'm about to run out of time. I told you to buckle up, Clinton. I told you I'm going to go over a little bit. He asked to put preacher to work, so there you go. <laughs> the outcome of being in sin is death, destruction, lost, a condemnation. All these things are outside of God. God offers love. He offers peace. He offers a place where everlasting life dwells. He offers us a place where He dwells. We just got to be faithful to it. You may be looking at yourself right now saying, you know, I ain't been the child of God that I should be. Or I have been of the devil and I'm tired of being of the devil. I'm ready to come to righteousness. I'm ready to start practicing righteousness. I need to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Repent of those things that will keep you from hearing those things. Repent, confess, be baptized if need be, and pray that God will remit you of them, remit that sin from you. And guess what? He will restore you. He loves you enough. But we, there's part, there's action on our part that we got to do. So be faithful. Take these next few steps out of these doors, not being lost. And if you find yourself lost right now, why don't we change that to being saved as we stand and sing the song of invitation?